When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 121. My name's Turner Sparks. And I'm Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at Cap with a K, Cap in America on Twitter. Also, we're on Instagram. Cap in America, Lost in America, and uh, Turner Sparks. On the podcast today, we have Emmy? No. What did he win? Uh, Oscar. In, uh, he's, he won an Indie Spirit Award. Indie Spirit Award. Oscar-nominated Nominee. screenwriter Michael H. Weber. You know him. He wrote 500 Days of Summer. He wrote... Pink disaster- Panther 2. What? Pink Panther 2. <laughs> the Disaster Artist. Spectacular Now. Paper Towns. Spectacular Now. And uh, What's the other one? The, the Cancer One. The Cancer One. <laughs> you guys. It's, it's good. So he also just... Fall in our stars. He went to Thailand... Yeah, he found out about everything over there. He's what he's, so we've talked to a lot of idiots who've been to Thailand, right? Yeah. Everyone and their grandma's been to Thailand. But no one's been on the... Everyone I, we know, they're on a budget. I don't know who these grandmas are going to Thailand. I'm impressed, but... Well, probably, <laughs> I don't know. Tr- Thai grandmas. Thai grandmas. Thai grandmas. Thai grandmas. They've all been on our pod. Yeah. And, but we've, uh, the people we have, they're bud. They're, yeah, they're a bunch sh- of poor people we have. Yeah, and this is... We got, uh, we got Weber. He's the richest guy we know. Yeah. He went with his girlfriend to Thailand. They went to Thailand. They did it the big time. They stayed. They went glamping, he says. Yeah, I mean, I went in there on my honeymoon. But this guy, they're just dating. And, you know. So we're going to find out what's... A very impressive trip he did. What's like to be rich and famous, (laughs) going to Thailand. Uh, I'm excited to talk about him, talk to him. But before that, Kaplan... Yeah. I feel like you're famous now. I this am. heart attack is this, the best thing that ever happened to your career. I cannot stress enough the importance. I mean, I, Everyone I, should I, have I, one. I have a heart attack. Or hire, hire someone to fake a heart attack. You've been on this crazy... I don't know oh, why they got Yeah, he should have just done this. He should have just had a heart attack. You're right. Uh, and you've been, you've been on this podcast tour. Yeah. Every podcast in under God's Green Earth has wanted you to be on it to talk about your heart attack. I know. I was on uh, Andrew Heaton's podcast. Something's off with Andrew Heaton on and the Blaze Network. I'm going to be on a, a podcast next week. I don't want to give the name out because well, it's not out yet, but it's a, a medical podcast. It's great, Kaplan. And really, I mean, it's just done wonders for your career. 
What do they want to know about your heart attack? I think it's because based off the pod we did, the heart attack pod. Everyone's fascinated by, well, the heart attack pod's getting rave reviews. Yeah. All sorts of people coming out of the woodwork from high school listening. Stopping uh, you on the my, street. My dad listened. Oh, yeah. Breaking news. My dad listened. He never listened before. He listened to our last two podcasts, and he texted me this morning, and he said he will give me, my dad has a handicap placard from back when he had a bad back, and it never expires, apparently. It just keeps getting better. He said because of my nickname, Handicap. Yeah, he took it very literally. He said he will give me his handicap placard. I don't know. Should I take it? You should I take don't feel it. Right? Maybe I'm not really. No, it's legit. All right, so you I'm, do have a so handicap. Handicap. Yeah, you are legitimately handicapped. <laughs> some people said I'm cardiac cap. I guess we'll go with handicap. Though. I like hand placard. The people love handicap. Yeah, handicap. I know that uh, um, our uh, uh, Jennifer Miles Peak loves loved handicap. She asked. Yeah. I went to Sacramento last week. She asked how handicap was doing. Yeah, and every time I and now I, you know, I went back to work yesterday for the first time, and it's like, Ooh. it's a big, you know, it's a bit. There's a different steps to recovery. The first step is putting on uh, pants and underwear. Yes. <laughs> the second step is peeing in a toilet like an old person. Then going home, and then you go back to the pod world is the third or fourth step. Yeah, going back to work's the fifth step. And everybody I me- I saw in the all- in the halls everywhere, they all asking how I'm doing. It's like no one ever talks to me before now. And then this life fest thing, Mr. Popular. Out. This is this is a great talking point. Everyone wants to know what this thing is. Oh, this like little this. Uh, I got people stop me in the street. People, strangers. This the, the, the thing I talked about last week. The the life fest. The life fest. And I got. Um, it'll shock you back into life. It'll shock me back and like people. Someone thought I was a Walkman. It looks like an oversized idea. cell phone. <laughs> it looks like an '80s cell phone. But I had I got a call from the Life Fest company because people are wondering if I'm wearing it. I've been wearing it. Are I they sponsoring the pod? I've been wearing it every. They should actually. They should. I've been wearing it every night. I've sleeping through the night with it. I've I learned to love it. They called me though, and they said I've set a record. Uh, they never heard of this. I had 600 false alarms in one week. Wow. So they sent a rep to the uh, my apartment to change the settings to see if it'll work. We'll see how it goes. She gave me a little bit of news though. She said that the older people, people get shocked. Older people don't hear the sirens. <laughs> of course. She said, "Don't be afraid. It's not like the electric chairs." What she said to me. You're, you'll, you'll survive if you get shocked. Don't be afraid yeah, of you'll it. You'll survive, but it won't old, be pleasant. Old, it won't be, I said, I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah. So she said, don't worry. The older people have It's quite common, so they don't hear it. It's 100 decibels. Can you imagine you can't hear 100 decibels? Like, no. that's, that's pretty loud, right? Yeah, but I mean, old people have heart attacks. I know. My grandfather, uh, my grandpa Stan, I remember driving him, and you know, he'd be in the car, and the seatbelt sign, you know that, that noise it makes? Yeah. He would never hear it. Sure. I'd be like, Grandpa, seatbelt on. He'd say, why? I'm like, it's like, I can't drive. Do you hear this thing? And he didn't hear anything. I don't hear anything. So I guess I guess I see what her point is. All right. So anyway, you're safe now. You're I, not, because we had a lot of people worried. Yeah, that I'm you're wearing not this thing. It on. I'm not turning it off. And it hasn't shocked me yet, but I'll let you know. Emergency <laughs> podcast when I get shocked. Yes. <laughs> Amazon cap. Speaking of emergencies. Amazon is fantastic. We all love them. They, are, they support us. We support them. We're really distraught over the Long Island City takedown. <laughs> I, I was talking, I can't say who it was, to a source yesterday who says it's not over yet. Weber. No, government. Someone I know in the government. They're working Ooh. hard behind the scenes. So Amazon, they want to talk to me. Possibly we'll work something out. Fighting back. So Amazon, in the meantime, they need your help. They need your help. If you want to support the podcast, which we know you do, we're not, we never asked you to give us money. All you got to do is go go click the right-hand corner. Go to lostinamericapod.com. Click the Audrey Murray book in the right-hand corner. That'll take you back to Amazon. Do your regular shopping. A percentage of what you buy comes to us. Cap, we just got paid for December. I'm going to tell you, December was our best month ever because it comes like a few months late, you know? Right. December, we got. I got some payout to nice. give you because everybody was shopping. Just write that check over to Dartmouth Hitchcock Hospital. Women I be shopping. Some money. <laughs> women be shopping, nice. and they be shopping on Amazon. Nice. And the women. money comes to us. So thank you all very much, Cap. Should we get to Lost in America? I think we should play the music. Play it.
we're back. Kaplan, I'm lost in America this week. I didn't know you were still cable getting lost. I barely. Well, I think I lost and then I found myself. So I'll give you the whole story. Here's how I was lost. First of all, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet. We had um, a couple months ago. We've been in our apartment for eight months. It's now. a nice apartment. You had the Christmas party there. We had our holiday party, party yeah. which was also like a it was like a welcome. It was a moving in party. What yeah. do you call those? Housewarming. Uh, housewarming party. We'd been there about four or five months, which is about how long it took us to just unpack everything, get it all situated where we want. We're like, yeah. you know what? Now that it's all set, let's make this a holiday party. Let's have everyone over. We did that two days after the holiday party. We got a letter from the management company. They sold the building. Sold nice the building, stuff. and in good New York City fashion, they want everyone out mm. ASAP. Because they're making into into condo or something? High-end condos. So they're kicking everyone out. They're renovating, and, they want ev- and they're going to um, – they said, yeah. said, no matter what, we're not renewing anyone's lease, so you might as well leave well, now and right. save yourself the trouble. And they said, we'll do you this favor. We won't charge you, we won't, we won't charge you for leaving your lease early. Well, that's nice of them. Like, yeah, how is that helping me? When was your lease supposed to expire? Like a well, ours is July fifteenth. Right, right. So, like, well, we're like, and everyone, I guess, are like, people are taking it, so it's a great opportunity. But are they they offer you money? Is that what they initially? No. Okay. No money. Like, you can leave early if you want. I'm like, first of all, we're not leaving early. You know, and they're like, oh, but it might be. You might. We probably want to leave early because we're going to be doing a lot of construction. It's not going to sound good. Hmm. So they're harassing us to leave early. Should have called Blue Shirt immediately. I did call Blue Shirt. Oh, yeah. And Blue Shirt said, "Well, first I didn't call Blue Shirt. First I just we did nothing. I said we're staying in Pat. Staying we're not going to look for places. Home. We're not going anywhere. We're like, yeah, we're not moving, right? Yeah, I like and it. so Stars. we're like one of those Central American, you know, when they knock around all the houses around you, but that one house stays. Yeah, we're those people. <laughs> Chain yourself to the house. So exactly. Someone's got to stay home at all times. So exactly. Like, like protecting a tree. Squatting <laughs> rules or whatever, right? So we're staying. Ooh, I'm lighting up here. Cap's lighting up. Oh, must be a good story. <laughs> so I'm moving on because Cap's lighting up. He's about to get shocked. So we don't move anything. We do two a month and a half of no movement at all. Finally, after a month and a half, they contact us. And all these people around us are moving out. You can hear them just clearing, just cleaning out. Mm. And they're doing construction around us. It's like next door, just drilling. All times of the day. I say, I don't care. We're not leaving. Yeah. So finally, after two months, they contact us. They go, all right, here's the new deal. We'll give you $6,000. And two thousand dollars moving expenses, and a free year of laugh pass, no. and a free year of laugh pass <laughs> as you get out. I contact Blue Shirt. To me, that sounds like a good deal. Right, but Blue Shirt's going to ask for something more. Blue Shirt says double that, and we'll talk. Double that. So he said we want twelve thousand, and so I say mm. sounds good. And so I call them back. I said my lawyer says we want twelve thousand. My lawyer, I like it. And they Major. say because I lawyer up. You lawyer up. Yeah, and I say my lawyer says we want twelve thousand, and we'll talk number. six and twelve. And Both. then the people go. Oh no, we're not doing that. So all right, fine, back to zero. And I went, oh, okay, fine, we'll take six thousand. Oh, so we settled neg- on six. Should have let Blue negotiate for you. <laughs> I should have. <laughs> so we settled on six K. So now I we're like how they didn't counter. They're not like all right, eight. They didn't counter at 6, all. Five hundred. Yeah. Six, they're like, uh, at least they didn't go like four thousand. You're like, all right, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got six thousand bucks. All right, and, and two thousand dollars moving expenses. Two thousand to move, and we so we got the highest end. We called the moving company. We said we want your best of your best, right? Because you can't use that money on yourself. They like watch exactly. You, can't, you can't use it. So for one thousand, all the fanciest boxes, one thousand nine hundred ninety-four dollars. They charge just us. tip, or, or you could like tip, tip included. Oh, tip included. Okay. Yeah, I got them to include the tip because they said it was a two hundred dollar tip, and she said just put that in. Yeah, yeah. So as they're coming tomorrow. We don't do anything. You, I'm very confused as how this is going to happen because we just sit there and they pack for us. 
They bring all the boxes, all of the bubble wrap, everything. Yeah. I had that happen with movers once. You they, have. They okay. said it's do that just okay because I, and then like because of how much crap we had. Yeah, what like, do they do? They got. I think they got annoyed. Like they were. I think they didn't mean. You don't mean like literally everything, but like yeah. So what do they do? I I, I put all my like uh, books in the same place, and I have all my papers, yeah, all keep in binders. Sorted how you want it. They'll yeah. put boxes. They'll put the dishes in. I mean, they could drop off stuff ahead of time to help speed up the process, but I guess they don't care. The dishes yeah. they're gonna have to do are they're yeah. in the cabinet. Yeah, they'll have to wrap everything, and they'll have to put. They'll have wardrobe boxes probably for your clothes. Oh, so I put some of my clothes in in um, suitcases. Oh yeah, that's helpful. But besides that, they're still hanging up. Yeah, they do all that. Yeah, they'll do that. That's amazing. I mean, you're tipping them, right? No, the tips included. Right, but I mean, they're yeah, getting... yeah, yeah, we're tipping them. Um, and, and how long is that going to take? Going? Do you have an apartment? Yes, we moved into an apartment two blocks away, oh, okay. a block and a half away, and um, all the money, the, the $6,000 we are using to pay, because you have to have this agent fee and all that crap. Right, did you have to pay an agent fee for this place? We did not. Oh, good. Be, but, I would demand that back. If yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We got lucky on that. But So we did this. We got a two-year lease on the new one. It's still pretty nice. It's a little smaller, but just as nice. It has a washing machine in the apartment. Oh, that's huge. Washer dryer. Yeah. That's huge. So we'll have to have another housewarming gift. I know, party. and then do people have to give you a second housewarming gift? Like who people We want a new yeah. gift. Gotta, everyone's gotta give you a housewarming no, gift. No, we still have all the booze from the old party. So we'll yeah. just move it over and no one bring anything. We'll just keep drinking the same booze. Yeah, but people but you should bring something for their for their for their stress. I guess so. So that's bring, and bring your clothes. You can wash them at the place though. So if you have people have laundry. Exactly. <laughs> people bring on. your laundry. New party is coming up soon. Cap. Int is an app. Int is still an app. It's up to five-minute audio recordings. You can get it in the app store. You can get it for Android. I was just talking to Matt. He's making it better all the time over he's there. He's in here working on it. He's uh, on your phone. He's fine-tuning things, right? Your settings. He's fine-tuning. He's fine-tuning my phone. He's doing personal Int updates for me. Ints. It's like a genius bar over there. Is it? <laughs> Ints genius bar, you, Matt. You come on in. Yeah. So people come here. And, Stop uh, by, and you, I, you know, I was Ensign this week. I, you know, we said last week our advice, our little tip to the Ensigners out there: keep it short. I violated. I did like a two-minute ends, but I'm going to try. Yeah, to it's do up a to lot. five minute, but under a minute. I, I recommend thirty seconds to a minute. Yeah, because no. nobody's listening longer than that. Probably not, unless you're hilarious. So get in, so everybody. But our e listeners are a funny lot, so maybe they care. Ensc.nyc. Get it in the app store. Cap. Should we get to Michael H. Weber? Yeah, I want to hear all about his little pre-honeymoon he took out in Thailand. So I'm very term excited. He invented. I'm very excited to hear about it. Bring him in. Come on in. <laughs> all right, we're back with Michael H. Weber. Are we starting, really? We're on. We're on. The we're H is for live. handsome. How you doing? Welcome to the show. You're looking tan. <clears throat> I'm very good. Tan. A little jet lagged. Very tired. Um, two weeks here. in Thailand. Yes, and not how two all these half weeks. Yeah, two and a half. I've been gone for like months. It's Correct easy. the record, everybody. <laughs> two and a half weeks, and not like I want to start with this. It's not like how all these schlubs do it. We, every every schlub on the eastern seaboard has been to Thailand, but they're all living paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> this is Weber's doing it. You did it. Life big styles time. of the rich and Weber. Life styles, yeah, crazy rich Weber. <laughs> I don't know about that, but this was a um, crazy. So how did you title the pod? What you were telling me off air, but you did, you did four seasons. Well, okay, so we started in. Um, La di da. In they Bangkok. only have two over the there. Four people only have one season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when we went to uh, Shanghai, the middle of our trip, there is a uh, Four Seasons tented camp. Wait, where's Shanghai? Shanghai is the northern part of Thailand, so sort of near the, part of the Golden Triangle on the border with uh, Laos and Myanmar. So there's a there's a four seasons on in the Golden Triangle. Kevin, do you know the Golden Triangle? It's the home of birthplace of heroin. 
in the world. It's it's called the Golden well, Triangle because it's, foreign season, it's between three countries that all ship heroin to each other: <laughs> so, <laughs> Thailand, China, and Laos, or whatever. Right? So Laos? we didn't. So we didn't. We didn't go, but there's a heroin museum. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I told to you. Uh, <laughs> it's like going to Cooperstown. <laughs> there is. No, there is. There's a heroin museum, and it was initially the travel agent put it on our uh, our itinerary, and Allie and I were were like, wait, what? We don't necessarily want to go to the heroin Cooperstown. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why not? Do they induct? Like, yeah, we're uh, going when we go to Thailand. Yeah. We only had limited activities it's there, like, and 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 the schedule was pretty regimented, so we Kirk skipped Cobain's the heroin uh, museum. Next time, next time we go. Okay. There. But, yeah, there is a um, Four Seasons there. Do they have a tasting room? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And do they hang like rafters, like people have died of ODs, like <laughs> Kurt Cobain? They retire their number? Retire your number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the flag is permanently at half-mast. <laughs> it's, um, it is... The gift like, shop zero yeah. minutes since our last death. Yeah. The gift shop is really alarming. Yeah. <laughs> There's low lighting and lots of bean bags. And a, lot of, a lot of spoons. And now tell me we have the methadone hall of fame opening soon. But you know, <laughs> yeah. we're fentanyl. All right, so you anyway, started so, in the so Golden the, Triangle. So, so, so the Four Seasons okay. there is the only all-inclusive <laughs> Four Seasons in the world. So if you know, if you've been to like a, a an all-inclusive resort, it means all of your meals are taken care of. All of your you know, you open bar. It's it's you don't have to go and like you you never take out your wallet the whole time you're there. Um, this is the only Four Seasons one of those in the world, uh, and it is glamping. There are um, <laughs> there are 15... explain what that is. So it, um, I I I I'm not even fully sure the 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 what defines glamping and what isn't. But in this case, these were luxury tents. You were in I guess it's. Glamorous camping or luxury? But you weren't camping? Out, were you outside or you were like in closed space? So like, you stayed in an all-inclusive tent. <laughs> <laughs> so really, I ripped off. <laughs> I really feel like you got <laughs> sold up river. I'm gonna I'm gonna put some uh, some photos on my on my Twitter and uh, people can check it out. But basically, oh, yeah. they were <clears throat> luxury tents. Luxury tents. Um, so so. For the most part, it's like any other resort. There's a base camp. There's restaurants. There's bars. The whole thing. Base camp. Base this camp. is why I wanted to have you on because your style. Never been to a base camp. No, no, no. I when I went to Thailand, I stayed above a gas station for ten dollars a night. Was uh, it all inclusive? This was a little more expensive than that. <laughs> the the no. mints came with the room. No, and... I just love the base. So what's a base? So camp? I hadn't been on vacation in years, and Ali always wanted to go to Thailand and meet the elephants, Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even meet know why that's elephants. funny. Meet the elephants. What if there's elephants there, uh, like elephant reserves? So the the, oh, okay. the Four Seasons tented camp is at, at, like on an elephant reserve, uh, and we did a lot of our homework to try to find a place where sort of the elephants are treated well, because there's obviously a lot of controversy yeah, about how the elephants are abused. <laughs> Conflict free elephants. A lot of these the elephants are abused at a lot of these places. We wanted to make sure uh, this was a place where like the elephants are are, are treated well and uh, had like a high <laughs> quality of life. Uh, so Wait, but I, this is in the Golden Triangle where people are not yeah, treated well. The elephants don't take the heroin. <laughs> as long they, as the elephants they help produce it, well. they don't cut. They don't, they don't. So they did a lot of research. The elephants are not involved in the heroin trade. <laughs> okay. um, we 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 at no point witnessed the heroin trade. Anyway, so disclaimer: the thing about this 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 Four Seasons there there's no it, there's no um, hotel rooms how you would uh, traditionally think of like a large building that has hotel rooms or certain nicer resorts don't even have hotel rooms. They'll have like cabanas or something of that ilk this this is literally these these tents on stilts <laughs> overlooking this valley and this river and the elephants are living there and yep. you are in a tent and the tent has uh, you know a bedroom and a desk and a and, and a bathtub on the inside and it sort of it zips up like there's multiple 
levels you have to zip in and out of to get out of the tent. But when I say to you, luxury tent, it is beautiful. It's nicer than any of our homes. It is, the views are stunning, the, the furniture, like, I mean, it is a, it is a luxury tent. At the same time, the, the bathroom, um, uh, yes, there's, there's, uh, that's a luxury tent. <laughs> there's, there's air conditioning and heat, more importantly, because you're, you're in the mountains of Northern Thailand. It gets cold at night. So it's, I, I still haven't figured out the whole, you know, uh, Fahrenheit Celsius conversion thing makes no sense to yeah. me, but, um, it, it would get really chilly at night and then be 90 degrees during the day. So, um, so it's insulated or it's like heated air conditioned. It's heat and air conditioning. Wow. Um, and then the bathroom, it. you have to, in order to go to the toilet, you're sort of, it's, it's a component of the tent, but you basically have to double zip both the kind of uh, thick plastic and then the, the, the netting pl plastic. So it's multiple zippers to get in and out of the tent to go to the bathroom. And then the bathroom has sort of <laughs> mosquito netting and whatever on top of, you're essentially outside. And the shower as well is outside. Um, Can the elephant see you? The elephants can definitely see you, by oh, the way. Can they, they can walk up to the tent? <laughs> no, no, no. They can so, see you in the bathroom. So the tents are on stilts, like, built into a cliffside, which is beautiful. So the elephants can't get to you, but you can see out into sort of the valley and see all the elephants. At the same time, when I said base camp, the area where you kind of check in at the front desk and where the, the main restaurant is located, um, the younger elephants are brought to this restaurant in the morning. So you're having all-inclusive breakfast, whatever you want. You want... You want a Thai breakfast, of, of which is sort of, they don't do breakfast the way we do breakfast. It's not like cereal and pancakes. They have all that as options. And of course, as an ugly American, I'm eating pancakes and French toast. But they have like Thai breakfast. But as you're sitting there eating breakfast. Thai breakfast, thai breakfast is like noodles and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's noodles yeah. and certain, yeah, stuff like that. I don't and, think I had and, any Thai breakfast when I was there. I and, then, and then they bring the younger elephants who aren't part of the elephant excursions, I'll get to that. <laughs> the younger elephants are brought to the sort of base camp area as you're having breakfast and you feed them breakfast. You don't have to, but it's fun. Uh, you go and you, you, you know, there's baskets and baskets of those mini uh, bananas. Peanuts? And, and you, no, no peanuts. That's actually a myth apparently. Oh my God. Um, you feed them uh, uh, bananas, which is so much fun. So these younger elephants are, 18, 19 years old. You know, elephants can live to like in their 80s. Like they're, these are teenager young elephants. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't so know that. you're there yeah. and you're giving them bananas. Me. And it's so much fun. And it's your, like basically you're having breakfast, you're feeding them breakfast. And, and I'll say like most people go to this uh, Four Seasons for three or four days, is generally. There, there were a couple, there were some people there who were for a shorter period of time, some people, very rarely is anyone there for longer than four days. Um, and they, they schedule it out ahead of time. So it almost feels like, uh, you're doing like a sleepaway camp kind of thing in Thailand. And I'd say the guests range in age. You have uh, younger couples, honeymooners. You have older couples. You have families, like entire families. Two or three of the tents are larger tents made for like larger families that sort of have like multiple bedrooms. But for the most part, they're like a one bedroom uh, or almost like a studio apartment set up in the tent over it's sort of all in one room. Um, but your days are heavily scheduled. So you wake up pretty early, you go have breakfast, you feed the elephants over breakfast, <laughs> and then you have your first activity before lunch. So um, there, there's a, a range of activities that we'll get to. Then you come back to sort of that base camp area, you have lunch. You can also, by the way, have lunch in your room, room service all included. Does the elephant come to the room to no, feed him? No, 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 there's no, <laughs> elephants do not serve you at any point. <laughs> no, um, and then experience. there's then you have one activity in the afternoon. What are the activities? Uh, so and then and then you basically get to hang out at night. And there's a bar 
at the other end of the sort of of the property called the Burma Bar, where you watch the sunset and you watch the elephants like go home for the night. It <laughs> sounds awesome. <laughs> and, then, and then dinner. <laughs> then and then you go back to the restaurant for dinner. So basically, you have two activities that are scheduled per day. So the the a range of activities. Some are they, they have a, a an amazing spa there. This is glamping. So everybody gets like at least one spa <laughs> that's treatment. The, that's the most it's annoying word on earth. Glamping? I think. He's describing yeah. Jewish summer camp. It's, <laughs> it, when we were kids, we didn't call it glamping. But like Jewish summer camp didn't have a spa. They probably do now. <laughs> they might now. I know now. <laughs> they do now. But like in the eighties, in the eighties and nineties, there were no like yeah. there was no spa. They're gonna put elephants up in my old camp when they hear this. Why? <laughs> at some point, I guess my question would be, and then we'll get to the, the activities. Why be camping? If it's if everything's so nice, why not just be inside? So I am not a low maintenance person. <laughs> yeah, and this is a little bit my age. I'm in my early forties. It's also a little bit just my my personality. I'm not. I don't rough it well. I don't. I'm not gonna like. <laughs> I'm not gonna like crap in the woods and wipe my ass with a leaf. Like I'm not doing. I'm no not Boy eating, Scouts. I'm not doing like. I'm not lighting a campfire. I don't want to. No, but what I, I get that. So why not just be not not in a you hotel. even specifically, but everyone? Why not just be in a hotel? At some well, point, you're almost in the, a hotel. But this is the like. Why be in a tent? This is the best of both worlds if you can afford it. In that, like, <laughs> oh, I'm sort of roughing it for me. Yeah. I think like roughing it is on a sliding scale. And like I, I'm not built for. Doesn't sound like you were roughing it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you're zero I'll on that this, scale. I'll say this though. By the way, you know, sharing a bathroom with your significant other that doesn't it. have a door. <laughs> No, 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 no. Let me finish my sentence. I don't sharing share a bathroom already. No, but sharing a bathroom <laughs> that... Look, lots of, most couples share a bathroom at certain points. Sharing a bathroom sharing a bathroom that doesn't have a door. That's right, yeah. That's Let cool. me explain this to you. What is separating you from your significant See, other going to the bathroom is two pieces of plastic that zip up, that are see-through. Yeah. Now, there's a canvas flap you can kind of let down, which is a third thing you zip, but I'm just saying, there is... You really get to know each other. Three zips well, still isn't well, enough. What was it like Three to go seven? Not enough. No, it's like a four zip minimum. Taking a dump. That's <laughs> By the way, you, you eat that much Thai spicy food, you're yeah. going to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, look, um, for someone like me who is not built for actually roughing it, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm also like, here's the thing. I was like, I'm not what you would call a man. <laughs> I, well, I, well, let's let's challenge that for a second, because like, why yeah. is roughing it? Attached to masculinity in yes. that way, so toxic masculinity. <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop with that. No, I'm not like we can make I a bit of this. I, I agree like, with them. Why is the ability to <laughs> sleep outdoors or light a fire? I can tell you why. You masculine. want me to give you the honest answer? Now, now, maybe traditionally, but now. But why that's is that? why, because it's rooted in what you used to have to do to survive. Right, right. but it's clearly society was rooted in a lot of things that we've like thrown by the wayside for right. the better. True. Why is it that like? Oh, okay. So I, I clearly like. I can't start a fire in the woods. I think like, it's hey, by the way, if, if like if I got lost somewhere in the jungle, like I'm not the person who's gonna like problem solve how we get out of there. I'm not like I, that's just not how I'm built. <laughs> I think I it's because fire. But I also to answer question, I say I also think it's because be. every because if the if like the power gets turned if the grid just erupts right <laughs> the grid and we're off. back to the old days. It it's a survivalist. I'm calling triple. That's why like like Wait. people are attracted to people who can like figure out society and stuff right? right right no that's fair but i don't think like whether they know I, it or not but I, you know I, i'm a writer for a living so how much of my life am i spending disaster training just in case <laughs> on the side maybe it's your next society script. collapses by the way when i have to do research like that wikipedia i'm not actually taking <laughs> like a 
a disaster relief class somewhere and learn how to like you know uh, build a raft or whatever so are you doing any writing is there any writing not not writing actually on the trip was there anything that comes out that could come out of this that could go into something you're doing in the future maybe i look people you you meet or places you are whatever i I think that i think an elephant comedy um you know romantic comedy i went dumbo drop too we'll (laughs) we'll come back to the activities but i remember oh yeah our first stop was bangkok and in bangkok we went to the jim thompson house which is apparently a a um, <clears throat> it, it's a place that most tourists visit when they go to Bangkok. And Jim Thompson was this fascinating guy that he was this um, he he was stationed in Bangkok during World War II, but then stayed on and was I don't know if he was technically a diplomat or was just you know or or I know he was part of the OSS and then part of the maybe part of the CIA. And I'm sure I'm bungling a lot of these facts, but like this really interesting sort of cosmopolitan worldly guy who basically when he could eventually decide to go back to the States, uh, decided, no, he was going to stay and live in Bangkok and loved it and sort of really made Thailand his home. And you can go to his house now, which is this interesting sort of blend of not just sort of a, a traditional Thai home, but he sort of took influences from all over that part of Southeast Asia. And it's now a museum. And his life is fascinating, um, how he sort of was this Western guy that that put roots down in Thailand. But he uh, disappeared in the early 60s. He took a trip to, um, I, I believe it was to, to then Burma, um, and completely disappeared and was never heard from again. And he lived a fascinating life where I was like, oh, wow, what, what an interesting story. I don't think a movie has been written about this guy's life. So, look, I, I think all uh, life experience will inform your writing and, and, and you know, becomes a part of your, uh, <clears throat> as you learn empathy, for for as as your life continues, mm. all of that comes out in your writing and sort of how you approach characters and flesh them out. I'm giving you a serious answer to this. So no, it's good. Am I am That's I writing? Asking. Am I writing like Jonathan necessarily a movie about? Soon. Am I writing a glamping like rom com anytime soon? No, but I just think like no, but you might meet Johnson, some character like, couple from England that's in the same hotel as you or whatever. And you're like, oh, they're hilarious. And then I don't. I, that's, that's my question. Like, there's a great stuff um, come there's out a great that? moment in if you've ever read Steve Martin's. Um, Memoir He's about his years as a, a stand-up comedian. Born wrote Standing a, Up. Born Standing Up was a brilliant book. And there's a great moment in the book where um, Steve Martin is on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And I guess Johnny's doing some ridiculous bit. And they go to a commercial break. And Johnny's background before he was, uh, years earlier when he was uh, a young man, was he was a magician, much like Steve. And uh, I guess Johnny says to Steve Martin, uh, you will use everything you've ever known. And that line always stuck with me. So... You know, I could have just answered your question five minutes ago with that. That look, this is now uh, the cu- spending a couple weeks in Thailand, amazing experience, glamping included. You know, I'll use everything I've ever known. And you said so, you haven't had a vacation in years, right? I haven't had a real vacation in a couple of years, so it was nice to go do that. Oh, so back to the activities. So um, one of the activities, and probably the most popular, aside from the spa, uh, was the elephant excursions. And basically, you take some of the middle-aged, if not older, elephants out, and you walk them for uh, a couple of miles around the property, and you take them to get a, you take them to the river where they go and get a bath. You take them for feeding. You sort of you get them exercise because the elephants need exercise. Uh, and you basically, we did two elephant excursions while we were there, and and we're partnering with the same elephants both times. So you kind of actually really get a sense of their their personality. Um, my elephant was Buma. And Buma shout was uh, shout out to Buma. He's listening. And 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 um, you basically do mahout training, and a mahout is uh, well wow. um, the elephant trainers, and you wear this crazy getup, and and you learn commands 
So uh, I should have brought the card with me, but like, um, soak, soak. That means like you're telling the elephant to like back up, walk backwards. <laughs> and uh, ma, ma means like go forward. You're trying to get them to go forward. Uh, so there's all these like you learn like 12 sit? commands and I'm now um, jet lagged and exhausted. So I'm only remembering a couple of them. But it was really interesting to learn. And you learn certain things like if you want to get the elephant to turn to the right, like we would sort of like you would use their left ear and then yell out a certain command to actually get them to turn to the right. And it was look, I I um, it was interesting to hear about the training because you hear a lot of horror stories of like young elephants whose spirits are broken in order for them to become this kind of domesticated. And we really tried to do our homework and go somewhere where the elephants were treated better. Um, it was interesting, like Buma was uh, an elephant rescue who spent the majority of her youth um, in the timber industry. Um, closer, I think they, they said that, I might be getting this wrong, but Buma was farther north, closer to China, and was used for like logging. And basically, still had like um, kind of old scars because t Buma would be used to like slam into these trees and basically like like slave labor like for these elephants rescue elephants in the in the yeah. timber oh, wow. industry and it's and it's uh, uh, how it was explained to me like extremely cruel and abusive towards the elephants so Buma was rescued from that life and brought to this elephant reserve where she has a much better life and is is heading into her senior years. So to kind of get to spend some time with her and like walk around and learn like, you know, what like how they bathe and, and how they eat and what they're interested in and like the sort of the trees that you can allow them to sort of snack on and then the things that have thorns that you try to steer them away from. And, and all that kind of stuff was fascinating and really, um, I'm not an outdoorsy <laughs> person. I'm not connected with nature. I care about the environment, but I'm not, it's, it's not, a big part of my day-to-day -day life in terms of like, uh, um, you know, roughing it. So to be out there in the jungle, walking around with the elephants, you really start to feel connected to these amazing creatures. What were the other tourists like? Like, where were they from? Uh, so that was interesting. It was a mix of, um, there were there were honeymooning couples from the northeast of America, from from New York, wow. from from Boston, from that area. There was a couple there from L.A. There was the worst. There was amazing, and they, there was a couple there that you could tell everyone hated. But the, our first night there, we're at the Burma Bar, and so you're all couple, hanging out together, kind of. Well, for the whole well, you're few like days. bonding a little because the Burma Bar is kind of small. But there was this couple, sort of away from all the other couples, Ooh. that you could tell had been ostracized. Ostracized. <laughs> and they both worked in finance in New York, mm -hmm. and she was talking about hedge funds and takeovers, and like you could tell she was, you could tell she was sizing up. The, the the acreage of the elephant reserve and like running numbers <laughs> really and like running numbers on her head on like, reverse rescue on like condos and stuff <laughs> yeah, all these people and everyone hated them everyone hated them and 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 like I hated them and they were awful awful Wall Street it's amazing people. that these people go to Thailand like when I, when but I used to go she's but they went to Instagram she's there for her Instagram but I'm saying that that there. wasn't even on the radar when I used to go it was lit it was just British sexpats just dirtbag no, fat guys so by the way speaking of that so that that became, <laughs> so, well, Phuket especially, Bangkok a little bit, but Phuket especially, that like, and I would turn to Ali and sort of elbow her, where we'd see these either lone men, lone middle-aged men, or like two middle-aged men together, but never more than that. And they look like, I would call them a Paul Giamatti type. They look like, sure. a, like a, that's what they all like look a, like. They yes. look like a, like a, like a schlumpy middle-aged guy. Who love Pinot Noir. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and then you could tell that they're like, 
there, this guy, like, he's there by himself. And, like, he's not, doesn't seem to have his shit together, but it's exciting. <laughs> not to be even there. close to having his shit. And, like, he's not wearing, like, he's not wearing, like, nice clothing. He's wearing, like, I don't think he needs he's it. wearing, like, Walmart's <laughs> finest. But you could tell, like, he's saved up because he's going there to do weird sex trade stuff that, like, he saved can't, up all year. Blow off some steam. And it's disturbing because you're like, oh, this They're usually wearing. There. This person's there. Let's be honest. This person's there he, most likely. I'm most likely for like sex crime stuff that they can't do in America. I mean, and could yeah. be in the garment industry. He, uh, no, they're always no, wearing like an not. Australian flag, uh, like a, a white beater or like a, a tank top. No, it was like weird, like like not ill-fitting button downs and like just like these like schlubby bucket hats. And they're not well, they're not there with the significant other of of any gender. They're there like they're, they're this like lone wolf middle aged man type that you're like, ew. Well, that's why like, so, I know why he's in Phuket and it's ew. Thailand's one of the more interesting places. There's very few places in the world where it's like an ideal honeymoon spot. It's an ideal bachelor party spot. And it's also an ideal, yeah, perverted yeah, guy Bob Craft uh, spot. <laughs> Bob, right, right. Back to yeah. back to I didn't get, back I didn't to get glamping because I haven't given you all the activities. Yeah, let's yet, get the rest which is of interesting. It. So, um, everything you do when you're at sort of a high end glamping uh, place, you have guides. You have there's you're very supervised. So we had this guy Paul who who worked at the Four Seasons who was awesome. And and he's Thai. He you know spoke great English. We liked him. Smart guy. Really funny. He's probably like mid forties. Um, we were great. Like we ended up bonding with him because he basically took us on both of our elephant excursions. But uh, some of the other activities, um, we did like a half a day excursion into uh, Myanmar. So we, we, you know, we we drive in a van. They take you to the border. You know, do that whole thing, and then we go into Myanmar for like three four hours, which was so much fun and so interesting. Um, and Paul's with us again. So how is that different from where you were, culturally or whatever? How is it like? What's interesting about it? Well, again, in 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 Shanghai, we didn't explore the area that much. Like for the most part, you're at the Four Seasons. So we're going with Paul, and we're going to into Myanmar. So we're going to local marketplace. We're going to sort of the local temples there. The temples were kind of different. It was interesting. The 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 some of the the Buddhist temples we went to had um, sort of like neon signage. It felt more like a mix between a temple and a casino. Like it had <laughs> there was more like that's um, a way to get me literally, to like your religion, <laughs> right? Literally bells and whistles. Like you felt like they're about to do like a you felt like about to do like a kino game or something. Yeah. as we're gonna break out. So that was fun. Um, also, isn't that the plot of Rambo Three? <laughs> that he goes from Thailand upriver into Myanmar, and then all hell breaks this loose. This is a movie thing. I should know this, but I don't know if I've <laughs> yeah. seen Rambo Three actually. So I'm embarrassed to tell you. So one of the other excursions was um, you take one of those long boats um, down the the Mekong River, and you stop at Laos, uh, which I, again I'm sure I'm mispronouncing every Lao, single. Lao, they call it. Lao. Yeah. So they take, call it, but what do they know? Yeah. So, <laughs> but like you, you take like a long boat. And again, Paul's with us. So we have like a guide. You're doing very few things on your own. This is very Is that good or bad? It's great for me. Like I don't I'm not I'm high maintenance. Like I think I a lot of our listeners would be like, I don't wanna I wanna be on my own. Well, yeah. by the way, we have a lone time. Like Paul's not hanging out in our tent with us. He's not watching He's not like triple zip. He's like, I got the no, heroin, no. guys. No, Paul never <laughs> visited the tent. He just was there when we did excursions and stuff like that. So it was it was cool to like take one of those sort of long tail boats and go down the river. Um, it was interesting to see also. So parts of Laos um, have this kind of uh, land lease with China. 
So you're you're basically taking this long tail boat down the river, and it's just jungle and jungle, and it's cool because you're in the Golden Triangle. So, like on the right is wildly dangerous. On the right is Thailand, you know, twenty feet away, and on the left, twenty feet away, is Myanmar. I mean, it's like these narrow rivers, and then sort of at one point you sort of turn a bend, and, and you're at the Mekong River, and it, it's much wider and, and opens up, and there's Laos. So you're basically at this juncture of three countries and it's beautiful but then you get to one part of laos and suddenly there are skyscrapers out of nowhere in the jungle are these luxury apartment buildings going up and cranes that's right and then a giant mega casino complex we didn't go there we didn't go there and it's basically china is renting like a, a land lease renting this area of laos for 99 years and it just started a couple years ago, and <laughs> and 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 I didn't know about this because the Paul and and the, the the Thai people didn't tell us this. I had to sort of read read about this afterwards. But the United States has already put sanctions on the the Chinese business interests that control that land lease because apparently there's so much illegal drug trafficking coming out of that area that that this um that that's being controlled there and this casino and it's not it's not just a casino but you can go there and like buy a tiger you can go there and buy a this bear like awesome you can buy we like, gotta go you can, like but there's a... like there's like drug trafficking there's organ trafficking. anything you want like basically Any... all of all of the worst things you can think about are going through it's the this... real vegas yeah the real go- right city of international sin. waters we did not go there and the funny thing is that we Wait, love, they, also we... there's gambling you can and there's just, you should all put up a softy so, truck here so i'm gonna i'll put up <laughs> some pictures but like giant and they're gonna say like they didn't look like vegas casinos so much they look like more like atlantic city casinos like Trump like, built a casino they're there. Like a little, Shout out to Atlantic City. They're like a little seedy. Like, and like Reno. Sort of, they're very big. But it's like, it's literally like jungle as far as the eye can see. Wow. And then suddenly these massive, and I mean like 30, 40 story buildings where you're like, what the, where the, where did this come from? And and what's funny was, again, not knowing about the, the trafficking and not knowing about the US sanctions, I said to Paul, I was like, oh, so like an evening activity like we should go there, go to the casino. He's like, and Paul was like, I, I wouldn't recommend going there. And I was like, why not? And he goes, and and Paul's response was, everyone there smokes cigarettes. It's really too much cigarettes. <laughs> <smoke." laughs> and, and in Asia, and everyone everywhere smokes cigarettes. Yeah. So it was kind of it, it was funny how Wait, like can that's I... how Paul put the kibosh on it to us. But then reading about it, it sounds like by the way, a very dangerous place to go to this like I have Chinese a bit of controlled area of Laos. Into this. So not that place, but there used to be in Rayleigh is a border town between Burma and China. And I knew this girl when I was living out there, and her dad owned a casino on the island in the river between China and Rayleigh, but the area was owned by China. And I, I researched, once I heard that, I like looked it up online, and there's all these old New York Times articles about how it's the most dangerous place on earth. In the casino, there's a prison, and they can just lock up whoever they want. And if you don't have enough money to pay your gambling debts, or they just don't, they thought you were cheating, they just put you in there for life. <laughs> and you're right. gone. And, and, and my understanding... Don't count cards, you were saying. Yeah, my sure. understanding from the locals is that... Um, I wouldn't this, be surprised if it's the same family. This area of Laos has become so popular with sort of Chinese weekenders. What I mean is people in China fly down on a Thursday or Friday, spend the weekend at the casino, spend the weekend in the area, then fly back, go back to work, whatever. That's yeah. sort of if you have the means in China, this is now their like sort of party destination just for like a quick weekend getaway because it's only like a short flight from China. You're not that far away. So... um you know, we got up close in the boats and these massive casinos, but we didn't actually like go in there. The kind of the area of Laos we were brought to is sort of a more touristy little port where like there's lots of just like 
things for sale and like knockoff. Like Allie bought her mom like this little knockoff Chanel bag. Well, don't tell her it's a knockoff. She might be listening. <laughs> think, by the way, I think she knows. I think she knows. So, um, anyway, and it, what about the place you said you went to a DVD shop? Oh right? yeah. So they when still we have were them. in when again when we they were still in, have DVDs. They still have DVDs. That's how you know it was. Uh, you know, the, the country is some catching up to do. It's uh, we in <laughs> Myanmar. Um, we're we're sort of in the marketplace, and suddenly there's this giant stall that's a a a, a DVD shop, and it looks like it looks like an old blockbuster if they you know not a rental but for sale, and we step into it. And they sell uh, the disaster artist was there. Uh, and Your I movie, bought, uh, my movie. Um, and Did you I autograph I, it for them. I bought a couple of copies. Did you? And they they came out to a dollar a copy. So it was basically like thirty baht for a yeah. Sure. How much do you get out of that? That Royalty. used to be the going rate when I was living out in China. It was also a dollar. Yeah. A dollar. I DVD. asked the guy, does he report this to the Writers Guild so I get my <laughs> residuals? And he didn't know what I was talking about. Um, Did the, you tell him who you were? No, no, no. So the 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 funniest thing about the about these. Um, if you have the opportunity anywhere in the world to go to one of these shops or stalls where they sell um, bootleg movies, uh, the comedy experience for this, I highly recommend. Here's what you do. Pick up any DVD or Blu-ray, um, and what you'll notice is the box looks accurate. The, the, it looks like the poster. It looks like the movie you think you're getting. And regardless of what's inside, flip it over um, the credit box, and that's normally that sort of area that says like who the actors are and who directed it and all that and who produced it. Nine times out of ten, the credit box is for a completely different movie. So I picked up the um, the the DVD for Fist Fight, which is a comedy my friend produced that like Ice Cube is in, and it's sort of it's like a funny movie. And the credit box was for a Meryl Streep movie, <laughs> which like Ice Cube is definitely not in. So it's funny to like when you go and you pick up. I remember. Uh, uh, was it maybe Pink even you, was it you in China? Yeah, sent me the DVD for the Pink Panther. Yeah, Pink Panther two, um, and and I was not listed in the credit Isn't box. That how you wanted it because though? the credit <laughs> box was for some Matthew Perry movie. Yes, <laughs> so. and you know what was so odd when I went is when I went to the DVD shop in my town. There was the Pink, like Pink Panther two and Five Hundred Days of Summer were right next to each other wow. in the wow. store. And I was like, is this it's the Weber section? It was the Ken Picks but selection. But then your of the name wasn't store. anywhere on the back. <laughs> big and then I told the guy who worked there, who I got to know, because it was like my local one, that I knew you. And he was like, oh my God, I want, can he autograph some of this stuff for me? And I don't think he even conceptually realized. I mean, he knew what he was doing, but he didn't think of it as bad. I would love to autograph some bootlegs. That would be a lot of fun for me. Um, so anyway, we went to Myanmar. That was an excursion. We took a longboat. That, that, was, a, that was another activity with glamping. You know, one of the glamping. most, one of the most. Fun... I think you need another word for this. I think it's beyond glamping. It's like uh, this, was, this, is glamping. this is the Four Seasons. Yeah, this yeah. is like this, this is, is glamping. This is, this is what it is. I'll say one of the most fun glamping experiences we had when we were there was uh, we took a Thai cooking class. Ooh, Ooh nice. And 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 the first part of the cooking class was foraging. So basically, um, someone who tends what does to that the mean? someone who tends mushrooms. to the garden at the, the the Four Seasons there has this like huge sort of garden and like groves. So basically most of what you eat at the Four Seasons it, 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 in terms of plant-wise and spice-wise comes from there. So we're going into the garden and we're picking mint leaves. <laughs> they had you guys pick it? And well, they were teaching us how, which is kind of fun. At some point, pain. when you get rich enough, you just do stuff that yeah. poor people do. The elephant's picking the leaves. <laughs> it's all cyclical. You can. This right, is such like, a nice hotel yeah. that you have to pick, pick your, your own, own vegetables. Yeah, like we pay your... money to learn how to pick the, like our own herbs and spices. Yeah. Um, by the way, so much fun. We loved it. 
And you have this like guidebook and you're learning like, oh, here's how you pick the mint leaves and here's how you get like the banana leaves. And like, it was a blast. So we did that for like 45 minutes. And you're was like, there a guy like, faster, faster to give you like the authentic experience? <laughs> we need these. We no need these in the streets of Bangkok by morning. Let's go. <laughs> so Crack the whip. After, <laughs> after we were done foraging. Um, <laughs> foraging just means, uh, what, being a farmer? Yeah. Basically. <laughs> And by the way, as you guys know, my appearance here is sponsored by Barty Farms oh, Lord. in Warren, New Jersey. The only guest who brings his own sponsor, and I don't like it. It's a family farm in Warren, New Jersey. Uh, anyway, so- You go there, they'll make you pick your own tomatoes. That's farm in New Jersey. <laughs> so after the, the foraging, <laughs> the main chef at the Four Seasons, who's like an accomplished chef in his own right, for, for two to three hours- we take a cooking class and then we eat what we made for lunch. And, and this isn't, lunch. by the way, we're not making grilled cheese here. Like we were making sort of um, like a green curry. That'd be the worst cooking class ever. <laughs> we could... were making a, um, a green curry, like coconut um, yeah, green curry. broth with chicken in it. And, and, and then we made. Thai um, food. <laughs> no, we were making like authentic right. Thai food. And one of the interesting things we learned from this chef who was awesome, he said to us, uh, you know, the idea that Americans have about Thai food is that, like, lots of peanuts, lots of peanut flavored. And he said, that's kind of a bullshit idea when you're actually there. Like, of course, there are um, there are some uh, dishes that have some ground up peanuts. But even then, it's like a powder. It's, it's so ground up. It's not like chunks of peanuts the way, like, we're used to, like, Thai food in New York. It's like, yeah. just throw a ton of peanuts in it. The other interesting thing I didn't realize was sort of the the northern thai cuisine is heavily influenced by china yeah. and is actually and is actually less spicy and that when you go to to southern thailand like phuket is much spicier and is sort of influenced by that region of, of southeast asia so it was interesting that like we had had preconceived notion from eating like supposedly authentic thai food um in new york and then you go there and you realize like a lot of what you thought was was thai food is like you, kind of bullshit are you planning to I cook have... in new york because i Oh, I, yeah. took a, I took a Thai cooking course ten years ago in Thailand. Eleven years ago, I guess how many times we've 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 cooked. we go with zero? Because <laughs> every time I decide to, I'm like, ah, I can order tuk tuk in Long Island. It takes twenty minutes. It'll be here. So to answer your question, to answer your question, Ali, who when when she has the time, like loves to cook. Really, like it, it it's so much fun for her. We um she cooks a few times a week at least, and and uh, we um we bought in the a local marketplace in Shanghai. Um, a couple of spices and sort of local, um, like the the like the base to the curry. So it's not the curry yet. We still have to like make the curry because, yeah. um, but it's like a um, a base to it of of green curry and like a base to a red curry, which we did not declare at customs. So oh boy, I'm totally gonna get in trouble right now. Yeah, they're listening. And we we brought that back into the country. Um, Shout so out, we com- <laughs> customs and, officials. And I'll say the the chef, the Four Seasons chef, then gave us like sort of uh, detailed recipes and everything so we do intend to cook i'm gonna check i have videos of us cooking i'm gonna i'm inspired guys to make it low salt lost in america hosts you guys are gonna come over when we cook authentic thai food yes and have authentic thai food with us let's do it buy the low sodium paste or something oh shit i will Uh, say this or no fish sauce it's um, a smart move it's like heavy fish i know that's why i don't even be eating thai food lately it's a disaster all right screw him i'll come over you'll come over yeah i can have like satay there's a few things i can have like white rice and how do people have heart attacks in Thailand? Yeesh. I should look that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll Yeesh. be another expert on that. <laughs> well, we <laughs> That's didn't, next pod. We didn't ask about that, but there is actually, by <laughs> the way, ask, we learned. You didn't ask how people have heart attacks in <laughs> Thailand? How dare you? <laughs> We're <laughs> off the show. <laughs> but but um, we learned Paul in Thailand, 
When Tha- Thailand has the largest elephant population in the world. And there's, there's one elephant hospital. Oh, I'm lighting up here. Um, Kaplan's lighting up <laughs> again. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, how long till you get shocked? Uh, you want me to do it for the podcast? Let's, let's do <laughs> it. Let's get you shocked. You okay? Yeah, yeah. This is just a false alarm. How do you know it's a he false alarm? He said he's had a record-breaking number I, I said, of false I'm, alarms. Yeah, I talked about that earlier. I broke a record. Over 600 <laughs> in one week. They told yeah, me. Jesus. Nobody's ever had more false alarms. I will tell you the- He's Ali the Derek I, Jeter of false alarms. <laughs> Ali and I had a, um, a lot of long sort of cab rides to and from airports, so we listened to the Kaplan had a heart attack episode. Dare I say, the best episode ever. Hey! Heart attacks Thank you very much. Quality. I feel like Turner- you, you need to have a heart have, attack? No, but I think yeah, something else. Like, like drug like overdose. Kidney failure. Kidney I'm working on it. Kidney well, no, failure. I said season two doesn't end until I have a heart attack. Or no, no, you something else. Hit by a done heart attack. Life threatening. Yeah. You got to fall off a cliff. Like a stroke. Can you have a stroke? I can do one of those Bell's palsy where like half my face freezes for <laughs> yeah, a week. Yeah, so, like, let's paralyze. <laughs> so anyway, we listened to the Kaplan has a heart attack episode in, in a cab, two different cabs. We listened to it out loud because we didn't <laughs> nice. want to share. And you had, like, I have to say, here's the great thing about Lost in America. And I know you guys have listeners all over the world. All over the world. It is a, it is <laughs> because of this alt middle nonsense, which we can talk about another time. This <laughs> Don't is get cab, us started. This is a cab that should, this is a, this is a podcast that it should have a warning label in terms of listening to it out loud in foreign countries. Because here we are in a cab. <laughs> what did we say about Thai people? Uh, <laughs> it was you're obnoxious. Like, you're like doing a whole bit about, um, the Asian physician's assistants, and we have this oh. Asian cab driver, and now and Ali oh, and I are looking at each other, being like, "He was giving oh, him a compliment." Like, yeah. Oh no, he said he was a disappointment to his family, <laughs> yeah, which is a compliment. Like, you're talking about which jobs <laughs> are disappointments. Well, there's no way oh, in Thailand God. that translates. <laughs> about in Thailand. Because I'm sure cab driver to the airport is high on the list. He was also talking about Chinese. I'm talking about Asian American. It's not even the right country. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Asian American. Look, it's it's. I love the. Nobody podcast. hates Chinese more than Thai. So, yeah, by the way, yes, by the way, so I was nervous to bring this up. So, Ali and I didn't know about that. Oh, and, and and Turner knows these things. We got we got to Bangkok, and and the we had had sort of a strict itinerary of our sightseeing, and we had a guide that our travel agent high, again. We're we're just like this is like a high end trip. We had a guide. Her name was Sarah. She was amazing. She was Thai. She brought us around everywhere, and she she looked at our schedule the night before. Uh, like the first day of, of, of sightseeing, and she goes immediately. She said, "Oh, I'm gonna flip this around. We're gonna do Jim Thompson House in the morning and whatever, whatever in the afternoon." She goes because uh, Jim Thompson House will be overrun with Chinese tourists in the afternoon, <laughs> and and this sort of casual remarks disparaging either the Chinese or Chinese tourists by the Thai, we encountered from the nicest Thai people. This isn't like yeah. the, the, everywhere we went. And 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 we're at a restaurant, and the restaurant's like, "Good thing you came here tonight because last night it was too many Chinese people." <laughs> the the we're at the um you know Paul is telling us don't go to that casino overrun with Chinese people. It's crazy that the Thai people are so warm and gracious and and friendly and and hey. and and uh, such great humor. And then suddenly the next sentence out of their mouth is this sort of casual anti-Chinese comment. This it's all over Asia. Everywhere we went. Everywhere we went. And right. it's, it, Everyone like, in Asia hates the shocking, Chinese, right? Yeah. Shocking to us. It's because, I can explain it. It's because Chinese people, as meaning like the whole country, just got money. So there's always been like the wealthy Chinese people who could travel and knew how to be good tourists and all that kind of stuff. But like the middle class just got a ton of money to the point where they can now travel. And so they're going out of the country for the first time and they have, the, like, we're the off Americans. the hook. Americans are off the hook now. We're great tourists. Because we learned, we used to be. apologizing for ourselves now. Yeah. Oh, question. we should have stopped 15 years ago. Let me ask you a question. What, um, 
How much of this sort of anti-Chinese sentiment is based on things that the Chinese have done versus the fear of, oh, they have a lot of money and power and things they're going to do? Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it- it's like a, um, yeah, it's a mix. I think it's a mix because the, I, I can say for sure when you travel around Southeast Asia, the most obnoxious people at the restaurant are always Chinese people. <laughs> but I'm not saying all Chinese people when I say that. I'm saying a specific type. Usually it's, you can tell. It's their, just by the way they dress and how they act. It's their first time leaving. They're on a big tour group. Like it's like a hundred people and we're all going to see these five cities in five days. I will say the, and they bust the, them the, in most, and out. the most hated people on our trip was this finance couple? Right. Yeah. That 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 everyone was like, oh. are they Chinese? No, no, no. God. <laughs> they, and everyone was like, keep them away from us. But then after that, what we noticed not as much in Shanghai because we didn't leave the res- we didn't leave the Four Seasons, very, you know, to go to restaurants or anything. We just we did sort of these excursions. But when we were in Phuket and we were in Bangkok, we'd be at restaurants and there would be sort of very loud, very raucous, drunk. Uh, groups of Chinese tourists yeah. that you could see other people in the restaurant would be upset by their presence, and they were sort of yeah. wow. very much um, ill at ease. That like these group that there'd be a group that was sort of um, not very considerate about the other people in the in the space. Exactly, and we kept we kept noticing that in certain restaurants, or even like at an airport gate, or sort of certain areas where you're like, oh. Here's this large group of young men, or this family even, and then just other people would be like, a lot of a lot of like side looks. And I don't sort remember of, any of that from like eleven years ago. So well, they didn't like have money eleven yeah, years ago. Is. I don't remember. Yeah, but I, I, so I see it. I know all those like that type those of person from people. China, and so I have a sympathy for it in the sense that I understand who they are. I understand they're they're usually not bad people. They're just excited to be where they are. They're also loud, but Chinese people just are loud. That's a real uh, misnomer look, we have that like Asians are quiet. Look, Ali and I are New Yorkers. <laughs> we're we're, la- we're loud. We're we're loud people yeah. generally. Yeah. Like you're, I, you're I have no you. volume control. So <laughs> yeah. but 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 so we're not we weren't there casting judgment or even annoyed. For us, yeah, neither of us had ever been to Asia. Right. So for us, like this for us was just experience. soaking it up and yeah. learning and experiencing. Like all of these things were just experiences where we were like, oh wow, this is interesting. Like and well, also that's when what's you're so abroad, weird. Oh, sorry, when you're away and you can't understand what people are saying. That's another loudness isn't annoying. You don't understand what Right, right, right. <laughs> like, whatever. Like... But uh, that's another. Um, that's another thing weird about moving back to America is people will be like, Asians are like this, and like that's such an odd statement to because me. They're so different because every country is so different from each other. Right, that, right. But in America, we just say Asians. Like that's an entire continent. <laughs> yeah. One of the other weirder things was uh, everywhere we went in Thailand, everyone just naturally assumed that Ali and I are Christian. Well, oh, really? And they would make these comments again yeah. and again about like. Oh, there's our one church, or mm. we had missionaries here at one point, or you know, for Christmas, like, 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 sort of a like a nudge, like you'll care about this fellow. Well, that's cri- nice. You know, they didn't assume just because you're rich, you're Jewish. I like this. <laughs> that's true. You're right. That was sort of um. <laughs> and what did they? That's a good. Did you tell them what, that you were Jewish, and then did they have any reaction? God, no, we didn't. We didn't tell anyone. Why not? Because you know, it's funny. Like we're. He we wears were, a cross on his backpack. We were. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new Canadian flag. It's the Canadian flag for Jews. I, I think like we are of a generation. You know, our Ali's grandmother's alive. My, my grandmothers are alive. Like we're we're not. We are not. Um, Don't flaunt. We're it. not that far off from history of of you know Jewish people that had to flee other countries or hide that. So for us, I think. Growing up with the idea of like, be careful situations where you tell people 
you're Jewish, and it doesn't mean we're, we're, we're proud of our, our background, but just sort of always a little wary of wary of, of when, when and where to show that on the outside. See, I, wow. When I've been in Thailand and when yeah. I've been in, uh, I think, in Ecuador or Costa Rica somewhere, I've been in a couple places in the world where I, I've been in this situation, I've mentioned being Jewish, yeah. and I enjoy it because they, it's amazing to me because we're in America and everyone knows Jews in America. And you know, and you're, but like you talk to people, and they have no idea it's what pretty it means. unknown. It, like, it they don't even like, know. So you, they start asking you questions a lot of times, and they're just confused. So like it would be so like do you saying, believe in Jesus?" Like they don't yeah. know these basic questions. It'd be like, like you're in America, and they're or like, "Do you all oh, live in Israel?" Or this do you is all... a. They're like, "This is a Buddhist temple," and you're like, "Oh, actually, we're Confucianists." And you're like, <laughs> "Okay," but you don't know what that means. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so it is right. It is I'm not saying all everyone in Asia or if in China, it's like they have this real they reverence for for Jews. Oh, they do. Yeah, because oh. it's like, oh, hardworking, oh, yeah, uh, like a lot of Positive like business, stereotypes. successful in business, you know? <laughs> and Chinese people think of themselves as wanting to be the same. Like, like right. they're also successful. And they, they know where their successful. biggest fans food was. So. It's, not that, it's not that Ali and I thought something would happen to us. It's more just we know that there are a lot of um, incorrect assumptions, that there's a lot of... Um, we, we, just, we, weren't, we were there to experience and witness and soak up their culture not necessarily proselytize ours. Sure. He's so no missionary this no, guy. No. Yeah. Is it, is it, yeah. He's eating breadsticks and eating <laughs> pork. And I mean, I, look, I eat pork all the time. So anyway, I'm trying to think if there were any other activities we did. Did you um, see any lady boys? Or did you guys uh, not do the, the shows or anything? So uh, we did not go to any of those kinds of shows. I'm not... Um, not a big ladyboy guy? <laughs> you know... You can't not see ladyboys in Thailand. They're like, they work at 7-Eleven and stuff. Oh, that's true. Maybe. Like, I will it's say, just part of the culture. Say, we were blown away <laughs> by the frequency by which you would find a 7-Eleven. Like, <laughs> I say, I say like, American listeners, it? American listeners, think of how prevalent Starbucks is. Double that, and that's how that's how fast you encounter a Seven Eleven all over Thailand. And and we made a joke as we were crossing the border into Myanmar. Like, wonderful to see a Seven Eleven. They're literally like the first hundred yards into the border, <laughs> of Myanmar. We saw two. Did you try the chiquitos there? Seven Eleven is everywhere. <laughs> it was. It kind of blew our minds. Like that just, and it made me sad because I realized. It probably wasn't that long ago, whatever the Thai equivalent of a bodega was, yeah, a they had a lot more authentic things, mm, and now yeah. it's 7-Eleven. I guess, but it's Thai people owning the, the franchise, like the 7-Eleven right, franchise. Right, right, but by the way, it's the same thing. American people own the franchise of a 7-Eleven here, but when I Turner's see a 7-Eleven- is a big 7-Eleven defender. I am. Well, well, because, I'm a big, I'm he's a, not I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> so when I see I'm like, a business guy. He's not a New Yorker. <laughs> he's a crony like, when a real yeah. New Yorker sees a 7-Eleven, yeah, like, like I, I sigh, because I'm like- oh, But I'm a little bit of a hypocrite, because I, I love- If it was a Wawa, I'd be excited, so I'm a little hypocritical on that, but yeah. Right, but a Wawa's not a more regional, Philadelphia-based family thing that like- where, like, I, you know, as a New Yorker, I'd always rather go to a bodega. All right, before we go, so we're just about to get out of here. Um, well, you're so gonna, you I recommend glamping, by the way. If you look, glamping's not for everyone. Save your pennies if you, if you can afford it. Glamping, a lot of fun, it's a great way to experience the outdoors, also to, to experience like a luxury hotel situation. Right. Love to and go to the Jim Tom's house in the morning if you want to avoid the Chinese people. Those are your and, two tips. And what are you, <laughs> is there anything you're working on, uh, work wise, that you can tell us about? Uh, yeah, so Scott and I, um, my writing partner, Scott Newstatter. He and I sold a limited series to Amazon. Whoa! Based on a novel. Uh, based we're on all novel. in business together, folks. We're all in bed together. <laughs> Welcome to the Amazon family. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> based on a novel uh, that came out this month called Daisy Jones and the Six, and uh, this will air in the next, you know, next few days or whatever. If you're looking for the next few days, 
Your, your podcast. This oh, our podcast. Air, yeah, yeah. Air, don't don't tell us when air this. Or this <laughs> when people hear this, this if you're looking for a great read, Daisy Jones and the Six, brilliant new novel that came out. We're adapting it. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a limited series on Amazon. It won't be out till next year, but read the book now. And uh, that's sort of the next thing in the hopper. Maybe we should make that book. To, to, uh, yeah. Audrey Murray's had a good She's run. She's had a good run. Yeah, yeah. we'll make that oh, book our click-through link. That would be really great. So on lostinamericapod.com, click-through, Daisy Jones and the Six. Daisy yeah. Jones and the Six. Right, that's new. regular shopping. Weber, thank you for doing it. I know you have to run. we got to get to the news, but I know you got to take i got to go right? take a nap. I'm still jet-lagged. Guys, thank you so much. Kaplan. Yes. Glad I'm glad you're feeling better other than your machine keeps beeping, which has yeah. me a little worried. It just means that it's a good episode. It's things monitoring the ratings. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the early all reviews the are in. It's for ratings? The machine loves it. Yeah. Whoever, thanks for doing it. Thank you, guys. Okay. Cap, Bye. should we get to the news? Play the music. We're back. Thank you to Weber for doing the pod. Cap, before we get to the news, Laugh Pass. Yes. They're still with us. They're still hanging on. They're hanging in there. That's what we like out of sponsors. Loyalty. They, and they stick with the alt middle. They don't yeah. care. They don't care. So Laugh Pass, you guys, this is a great this is a great new idea. It's out of Stand Up New York Comedy Clubs. You can go to standupny.com. Laugh Pass, it gives you a year's membership at... I think there's 30 comedy clubs, somewhere like that, around the, around the United States now. So whatever city you're in, look it up. Go to lap, go to standupnewyork.com. Look it up. See if it's, your city's included. You get unlimited. This is what, for $139. If you put in our promo code Lost in America at checkout, all one word, you get it for $139. You get a year's membership to the to comedy clubs, where you get to go every single show you want. You get to bring a friend to every single show you want at no additional cost. Right. You get um, a bottle of wine on your birthday. You Damn. get a drink every single time you go to the club. I mean, you can, you're going to get over $139 worth of alcohol, it sounds like, if you go enough. Exactly. Just go to drink. <laughs> yeah. Just go. You don't watch five minutes of the show, but just yeah. have a cocktail while you're yeah. there. Kaplan, oh, you also get a VIP seating every single time you go to the show, and you get notified when a big-name celebrity is going to drop in. So if you're in New York or L.A., that might be like uh, Seinfeld or Chris Rock. Or, and they do. Those people yeah. do drop in at Stand Up New York all the time. Jimmy Schubert. you know, these Jimmy Schubert-Doobie. So. so that's it. What a great deal. And Kaplan, you and Randy, they gave you, they're kind enough to give you them for free. We got a pass. I haven't used it yet, but we're, we're going to use it soon. I'm going to go th- maybe next week. So, so go hang out with Cap. This, yeah, come hang out. First news story of the week. This comes to us from the New York Times, Kaplan. Oh, la-di-da. Virgin Atlantic won't make female flight attendants wear makeup or skirts anymore. Uh, this is, I mean, uh, abomination. It's a uniform. Yeah. This is how you ha- I think we're on the same page yeah. here. I think this is a uh, travesty. <laughs> Wait, did they, I have to, did they used to make them wear makeup? How's that enforced? I didn't know about the makeup. Because, I, I mean, most uniform- men can't tell, like, we don't realize how much work women put into everyday makeup sure so how would if, if a man's a supervisor we'd have no idea you know so that seems like a that seems i, I think i'm okay with that one but the uniform what do they wear they just wear uh, uh i don't know they, oh, they can i think yeah sweatpants <laughs> or just whatever they feel like because if you make them wear a uniform it's somehow constricting yeah here's the problem wait, wait, it's demeaning is that what i it guess is? demeaning maybe yeah i think that's the idea 
the makeup and, and skirts. But why are we going to listen to them? If you're just a person, like if you're yelling at me to put my bag in the thing or sit down. Yeah, or, and you're wearing one of those juicy not, sweatpants. If you're some person on the street, I'm not going to listen to you. You need the authority of that uniform. With the Can I, I rarely take this position, but in this instance, I, I find it odd. I think this is what happens when we don't tip. <laughs> There's no oh, tip. Tip flight attendants? Well, I I would say I was on my flight back from Sacramento this week. I did a flight attendant does everything that a waiter or waitress would do. You're right, but no one tips them. Right, you buy a beer from them, you don't give them a tip. I did find that unusual that no one tips. Would they turn it down if you tried? Probably not. I think they would take it. Yeah. But there's no cash on those planes now, so it makes it a little harder. And this but... is the end result. Everyone starts to dress. They don't care what they look like or how they act anymore because they're not getting uh, they're not getting dollar one, yeah. uh, whether they look good or not. I mean, it says these El Al, the Israeli airline, makes female flight hands wear high heels when they're not allowed to take them off. Oh, that's I mean... the other thing I want to say. Around the world, it's a stark difference when you take a foreign airline versus yeah. taking a United States airline in the way people dress and act and everything. They're very polite. They're dressed to uh, the highest uh, whatever standard. And, and in the U.S., it's just wear whatever. It's a free-for-all. Yeah. Well, LL's never had a terrorist attack in its entire history. And that's because they, they, they honor the honor codes. you got to have a dress code, these high heels that give more authority. Yeah, and in Pakistan, on Pakistan International Airlines recently, they sent a memo that says to its staff members, giving them six months to meet the company's weight limits. I would like to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Go, I'm not gonna be in favor of that as much as. Can I tell I you mean, why I am? Fit through the aisle. Like can this. I tell you why I am in favor of that? Yeah. Because baggage. <laughs> they weigh your bag. Right. I said this before, have I not? Yeah. Well, they weigh your bag. Passengers. They weigh your bag to go onto an airplane, but they don't weigh you. They don't weigh people. They don't right. weigh humans. These they are employees. Bags. Yeah, but the the less they weigh, the more bags we can. I mean, fit. any good employer knows that you can have an unwritten weight limit, but you can't. You can't put it in writing. You know. It's got to be a little, a little, a little wink, wink. No, but you can if you make it because it's a baggage <laughs> it's allowance. Pakistan, you now can. it's not one carry-on and a personal item. It's two carry-ons because our our flight attendants weigh less. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's really gone to hell. You know they have men flight attendants now. It's really <laughs> <laughs> some of them are even straight. Weber, turn off the pod <laughs> if you're listening. It's really ridiculous. We've, we we can't repeat it, but we've both talked about how we should have a an airline madman air. Where everything's old school. Well, they had Hooters Smoking. there for a while. Hooters there, yeah. Hooters there, like, it went out of business. It's the only, it would, I can't believe that because they actually, Hooters food for airplane food would actually be okay. Which they did. They had wings and all yeah. that kind of oh, stuff. Well. All right. Next we'll news story. This comes to us from the Daily Mail, one of our favorites. Back to the basics, folks. Chinese kindergartens use robots to give pupils classes as the country faces a shortage of human teachers <laughs> kaplan this is what happens when you kick all of my friends out of the country you guys are all teachers right all my dirtbag english teacher friends aren't there anymore and now they don't have enough humans and what's going to happen to the children i mean they're going to they, be grow up to be robots if you're taught by robots it's bad enough all these kids like i know my kids they're they're so into screens Sure. They spend too much time with screens, but they should at least have a human being as their teacher all day <laughs> yeah you know, like, they need like so that the social skills to interact like how does the robot discipline it's really hard like, I have, a, you know, the kindergartens in New York. You're right. There's, like, 25. Who listens to a robot? Wait, wait, how many kids are in a class? I don't know because of one-child policy. Maybe it's, like, with four kids. No, it's a, that's the problem now. It's a two-child policy. Oh, so they, and if, I feel like you knew that. Yeah. So they went to two in 2016, and that's what this article from the Daily Mail says. Once, since they, once, they went, once they went to two, they have, like, 15 million extra kids every year. Right, in 2016. So now kindergarten, I mean, it's going to explode so in a couple years. So the kids are four. Four or five, and so they're saying the the school the country's facing a shortage of a hundred and ten thousand kindergartens. Oh my god! And more than three million teachers. That's and I don't even know what the student to teacher ratio is. Right let now. all my friends back in. <laughs> you gotta let dirt back. Let Randy. Randy let all the Randy. Just like the sixty year old guy, he aged out. 
You, I don't think I want a six-year-old guy teaching my kindergartner. He's a real yeah. sexpat. <laughs> real sex- I shouldn't say his last name, actually, now that I said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it was, he got aged out. He got, I'll bleep out his last name. But he got aged out to where it, there's a law that if you reach, I think, 60 years old, you literally it's illegal for you to live in China and teach English anymore. Do you, have, you can't wear a uni- you have to wear a flight attendant uniform? That's incredible. I can force that. You yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that, so he li- he couldn't get a visa anymore. He had to go. Let him back in. Yeah, because, you know, I have, as I was saying, I have kids in kindergarten age, and there's like, you don't even have a teacher. You usually have a lot of schools have a second, like an aide, because to control 25, 30 kids, kindergarten age is very hard. Oh, I got and news for robot, you. How does a robot do it? Does a robot, can a robot resort to corporal punishment? Do they hit the kids? Cap, they, even during the one child policy, when I was teaching, uh, it wasn't 30. You'd have 50 kids in a class. 50? Yeah. Oh my gosh. China. There's you tw- had 50 kids. You controlled 50 kids. Barely. I had to try. <laughs> no, but they had, when they were little kids, we had a lot. There was like three or four teaching assistants. Oh, okay. Yeah. A lot of people in there. That's but once I got to high school, I would have 55 kids in a class. I mean, it'd be fun if the robot was the assistant. I'd love to have a robot assistant. <laughs> I'd feel like it was like a movie. It was a movie in the 80s. We have that. It's Alexa. <laughs> Alexa. Yeah, but they could physically wrangle the kids up. I'd be like, like, like uh, do things like because human beings, we can't beat kids anymore. But if exactly. we farm it out to a robot, now it's not corporate punishment. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm splitting the difference here. I'm pro robots as an <laughs> nice. aid, because not meetings. running the class. Yes, we might need them in America too. Last story <laughs> comes to us from People Magazine. Uh, we're just all over the globe today. Kids are spending. Kids are speaking with British accents from watching too much Peppa Pig. I feel mm. like this is in America. Yeah. This is true. Because I'm assuming in England they speak with a British accent, regardless anyway. of what they watch. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, this is 100% true. My niece, Natalie Sparks. Shout out. Just recently lost, comedian. lost her British accent. What do you, she had a British accent? She grew up so, in where? Costa Rica? Or? Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and then she's born in Nicaragua, but she's, uh, my, her parents are both American. Right. So she grew up in Exeter. So claim. And then now she's back in, in uh, the United States of America. Until very recently, she would say... Uh, can't instead of can't. Where'd she get that from? Peppa I Pig? can't. I think from Peppa Pig. <laughs> yeah. I think she loved Peppa Pig. And when I read that story, I was like, this is true. So like, Uncle Turner, I can't do that. I mean, my kids have used to like Peppa Pig, but they haven't, they haven't been into it lately. And I think I'm going to turn, I'm now reading the story. I'm going to make them watch it because Ruby just watches Barbie all day long and Netflix is Barbie show. Yeah. And she talks like a California girl now. No, you want a valley girl. <laughs> she said, she says things, like daddy. Oh my God. Like that. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. She, she, she's just whining about things she wants. She sees on the show. Natalie's like, she wants a, a red car Corvette, you know, like a super car, fast car. Yeah. <laughs> Natalie's like, daddy, daddy, I can't. I'm like, where does this kid have a British accent from? And then I read it straight from Peppa Pig. Yeah, that's that seems like. But a I think it's a way to, you know, how they say like, uh, what's that old um, Freakonomics book where they say like, oh, they did the study and they're like, if your name is um, Antoine, but you spell it A N T O I N E, then yeah. you're gonna make a hundred thousand dollars a year. And then they go through all the different spellings, and you're you're based on how your name's spelled, your uh, success level is gonna go down. Yeah, it's the same for accents. Like if you have a British accent, you're gonna make more money. Because we just assume they're smarter. That's why they're on all the Lexus commercials. It's like, bah, shop at Lexus now. Yeah, it's an interesting it's experiment. December to remember. Because I was talking to someone yesterday who came to America when she, when she was six. She's from England. Yeah. So she doesn't have the accent, but her older siblings all have uh, British accents. And yeah. I would love to study them and see who does better in life. Because yeah, I'm I sure think, they do. I'm sure she's screwed. Yeah, she's <laughs> screwed. You don't want Americans working for you. You, you want don't the- want them, You want smart British people. And yeah, no, like it's an example. Like Ruby will sit there playing with her Barbies, and she'll be in. She'll be talking about like a party or a wedding, or th- it's all superficial stuff that she learns. Up Peppa Pig is real life. They're it's talking about the Brexit. Works, yeah, <laughs> the working class English yeah. life, and you, you learn about. It's a great show. 
It's a great show. The, the dad's a, I don't know how that dad on Peppa Pig, he's a fat guy. I don't know how he's in a heart attack yet, but maybe a future episode. Future episodes. <laughs> maybe I'll start writing for them. Yeah, exactly. That's the podcast. <laughs> Kaplan, thank you to Michael H. Weber. Cap, what should we do? I think, I think, what do I say now? I think I say, get lost. Get lost! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.